Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All right, so the the North Carolina State Senate has overridden the governor's veto of of Senate Bill 364. And uh, it has a name here, the Non-Discrimination and Dignity in State Work. And it actually had support from three Democrats when it initially passed. Uh, They, of course, caved to their dear leader, Governor Ray Cooper. uh, And so they did not uh, vote to override his veto. This bill would ban the state government from requiring employees or job applicants to publicly adhere to an ideology, affiliations, ideals, or principles regarding matters of contemporary political debate or social action as a condition of employment. Right? And... What Democrats are very concerned about and what Will Doran, the reporter at WRAL, says in his report is that training programs that address racism and other biases are one step closer to being banned. That's the framing that the Marxist left prefers. They want the media to report it like that. And I'm going to assume, because I don't know any differently about Will Duran. I don't know what his politics are. I mean, I, I trust he is left of center. He definitely has left of center sensibilities. Um, but I don't know if he's a Marxist. So I, I suspect he's just a useful idiot in terms of like, well, all right, I'm not calling him an idiot. I'm just saying in the in in the Leninist way, right? That's what Vladimir Lenin talked about, the useful idiots, the ones that would, they're, they're the outer ring of the cult circle and, you know, they are the ones that that have the one-on-one interactions with people and they advance the message. They they talk to their friends and family about it and they present this sort of, uh, you know, soft lens view of the ideology. And certainly this really sweet, nice person would never engage in any kind of authoritarian impulses. No, they're just looking out for the worker, you know, looking out for the everyday man and all that. And then, of course, when the core of the cult, when they win power, and then they can command, well, yeah, now they have to, well, first thing they do is eliminate their political opponents, right? That, though That's the first crop to go. Then the second crop to go are the useful idiots, because they're no longer of use. You have control now. You have, the, you have all the levers of power, and you could start wiping out people. And so now you move to a different phase of the operation, right? It's very similar to... Um, uh, like uh, uh, in Islam, right? Where they, like radical Islam, where when they are the minority, they're like, "Oh, we are very peaceful, loving." Uh, Islam means peace, which actually means peace through the submission of uh, uh, to the will of Allah, which is a different kind of peace. It's it's submission, which I guess can grant some peace, but it's, it doesn't strictly just mean peace. Okay, um, once they take control of the the society. Well, now all of a sudden they get to implement some of the rules that they've really been wanting to implement, but they couldn't, right? What's the famous line from the the book series, Dune? Uh, I forget. It's something to the effect of, like, I ask for mercy because it is in line with your principles, and then I reject calls for mercy when I'm in power because that's in line with my principles, right? So, 
Will Duran advancing the ball for the Marxists on this by calling it simply training programs that address racism and other biases. How does this actually work itself out, though? Well, we got a pretty good look into it at the University of Florida system. And this is what prompted Ron DeSantis to bring in Christopher Rufo to start blowing up, along with the legislature, right, to start blowing up these DEI houses inside of the university system. University of Florida ended up creating a radical DEI bureaucracy, which promotes racial and political preferences among faculty hiring. It also encourages white employees to engage in a 12-step program called, I'm not kidding here, called Racists Anonymous. And it maintains racially segregated scholarship programs, which, oh, by the way, violate federal civil rights law. So this is what the North Carolina General Assembly was trying to dismantle as well inside of the uh, state government in passing this bill and now overriding the governor's veto. DEI is not a uh, it's not a, a series of standalone programs. It's an ideology an ideology that is now embedded in virtually every department on campus at University of Florida, in the system. In every department. I forget, I saw the stats a couple of months ago. Uh, the, the rise of, uh, and you hear this in the context of education funding, where you hear, oh, pay teachers more, we need more money, need more money, pay teachers more, pay them what they're worth. But then when you look at like where the growth is actually occurring, it's an administrative bloat. Well, where is that? Where's that bloat going? Right. It it's going, it's going into these DEI programs. Following the death of George Floyd in May 2020, University of Florida rolled out a massive number of diversity-focused initiatives, and they then went about embedding all these people, all these bureaucrats, these DEI experts. Right. They were all embedded in the various departments, and they were given the task with conducting surveys. Some call them loyalty surveys. They would have questionnaires that would ask faculty and staff to rate their agreement with various statements, evaluating their department or their units, quote, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, or to evaluate their financial support for DEI, or trainings on unconscious bias and microaggressions. Last uh, hour, I talked about the generative pedagogy, right, where you take seemingly innocuous statements or, or problems like math problems that nobody could ever, you know, nobody would ever think this is somehow a gateway into talking to, you know, six-year-olds about sex and, and, and radical queer theory or anything. But it is, and it's by design. The education experts built these pedagogies or methods of teaching. They built these things. Well, this is what's embedded in uh, SEL, social emotional lear- emotional learning. It's a generative thing. It generates questions. It allows the the DEI priests the opportunity to start talking to your kids about these concepts about critical consciousness. It gives them the it gives them the pathway because the whole Point is the pathway. That's the whole point, is to, is to get these concepts into the minds of kids. 
Because that's what indoctrination, a.k.a. education, is about. Look, I got indoctrinated into the multiplication table. Like, I had to learn every single one of the multiplication tables. All of them. And that was just memorization. You might say, I was indoctrinated. Yeah. I was taught about the the, the U.S. presidents, and I memorized the U.S. presidents. State capitals as well. There's a pretty, pretty good song that helps you with that. If they can embed in your kids' minds these concepts, then they own the future. That's the point. It's always been the point. That's why I keep reinforcing this idea. School is where, education is where the, the society transmits its values. And if you deny that, well, then you're not a serious person and you're not, I don't think you should be engaged in the debate about K-12 education if you don't understand that that's where we transmit our values. The question is, what values are we transmitting? And when you open the door to these DEI people, what they're trying to transmit is Marxism because that's what DEI is about. That's the whole point of the generative pedagogy. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Uh, message from Tim in an email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com regarding DEI. Maybe we should call it die because that will be what happens. To one, if they do not get on board with the program. That is exactly what commies do. Too bad we can't send these modern communists to a real communist country for about 10 years to experience the real thing. I've actually seen some people suggest that it should be diversity. Oh, wait, no, that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not. What's the word for God? It's not die. It's D-E-I, right? Deo. No. Yeah, something like that. I forget what it was. Somebody made an I saw somebody make a comment about that referring to like, oh, because this is their God. <laughs> so they should rename it to be that. Um like deity. Maybe it is On page of your fifteen page whoa. fifteen of your report, it whoa. says that in the summer and fall twenty sixteen. Whoa, 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 Twitter, what are you doing? What what was that about? It's actually Troy Nils. Okay, so during the breaks, I've been watching some of the Durham hearing, <laughs> so that's my fault. I don't know why it just autoplayed like that. Let me go ahead and mute it so it doesn't autoplay again. All right, um, but I was asked to define a term that I used called microaggression, a microaggression. That's a teensy-weensy aggression. It's like if I were to flick you in the face. No, I'm kidding. That's not what it means. Um, it is, according to the dictionary, any interaction between those of different races, cultures, or... Okay, that's not true. Hang on. It's only... No, microaggressions are... They're only committed against people of oppressed status. Or POSs, as I call them. People of oppressed... Or poos. P-O-O-S. It could be poos. People of oppressed status. And 
um, a microaggression is is when you say something that they interpret as as an as a as an insult, and you don't know it's an insult, and it doesn't matter if you meant it as an insult. It doesn't matter if it's not derogatory or anything. The only thing that matters is what is in that other person's mind at the time, and so. However they interpret whatever it is that you say, think of it like this. Remember the story we did last week about the guy who had his Amazon stuff shut down because an Amazon driver thought that he heard the owner of the house call him a bad word when he dropped off a package and then walked away with his earbuds in. But in fact, the video shows that no such slur was used. And in fact, it was simply the automated reply from the the, the AI doorbell that said, you know, how can I help you or something? But Amazon took the complaint and shut the guy's system down so he couldn't use any of his Amazon products in his house, like his, his Alexa thing and whatever. Um, it's like that. Like that would be a microaggression. You don't know what was in that delivery driver's mind when he heard the AI doorbell say, thank you, have a nice day, or how can I help you? And so you don't know what's in his mind, so that's a microaggression. And uh, that means you don't ever get to work again. Uh, I believe all of your family and friends desert you, and you die alone. I think that's the, right. Well, I mean, I think that's the lesser of the punishments. That's like the Hunter Biden level punishment scale that you get. I mean, otherwise, like, things could be really, really bad. Uh, like, But it does not include actual physical harm. In my day, we used to do the whole sticks and stones, break my bones, but names will never hurt me standard. That has been obliterated now. So a microaggression is um, verbal, behavioral, environmental slights, whether intentional or not, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups. So this is why, for example, you can say whatever you would like to say about, for example, white men. Anything goes. Say what you want. Mock them for the whiteness. Mock them for their uh, uh, for their for their sex, gender. Right? You could do all of that stuff. It's totally fine. Southerners too. You can mock Southerners. That's apparently allowed too. Nothing is off limits. You can make all sorts of racisty comments about you know how oh they're a, they're a Southerner so they think like this. Right? That's all okay. No microaggressivity there. Anyway, hope that helps. Up next, I'm going to tell you what TIV is, the T-I-V. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, Alrighty, so I've been talking about the TIV, the T-I-V. And when I, if you haven't heard me go through this before, this really, like this goes, this goes hand in glove with with critical consciousness, critical race theory, uh, you know, uh, radical gender theory, um, critical theory, uh, cultural Marxism. All, like all of these are under this umbrella, as far as ideology, philosophy goes, right? But there's another component here 
which is, I don't know if it's the hand or the glove, but it's the psychology component, right? The psychology. Maybe it's the hand in the hand glove because this is a mindset or uh, it's referred to as a personality trait, okay? And I'm going to read a series of questions. I usually start off doing this whenever I talk about the TIV. I read a series of questions. One is not me at all, right? So you're going to rank this one to five. One being not me at all. Five being this is so me, okay? So there are four questions. You're going to rank yourself one to five and then keep track of your total score as you go, all right? So number one, it is important to me that people who hurt me acknowledge that an injustice has been done to me. It's important to me, that people who hurt me acknowledge that an injustice has been done to me. Is that important to you? Is that you? Totally or not at all? Somewhere in between. What's your number? Okay. Keep that number in mind. Number two. I think I am much more conscientious and moral in my relations with other people compared to their treatment of me. Like I am more conscientious and moral than they are towards me. Is that you? That's five. Is that not you at all? That's one. Third question, when people who are close to me feel hurt by my actions, it's very important for me to clarify that justice is on my side. I did this because this is the right thing to do. Is that you? That's five. If not, that's one. And finally, it is very hard for me to stop thinking about the injustice others have done to me. Is that you? That's five. Is that not you at all? That's one. All right. So you add up your score. So if you end up with somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 20, in other words, scoring a four or five on all or uh, yeah, on all of these items, then you have what psychologists, psychologists rather have, have identified as a tendency for interpersonal victimhood or TIV, a tendency for interpersonal victimhood. It is described as, quote, an ongoing feeling that the self is a victim, which is then generalized across many kinds of relationships. So as a result, victimization becomes a central part of the individual's identity. You have a perpetual victimhood mindset, basically. If you have this, then you tend to have an external locus of control. In other words, Your life is entirely under the control of forces outside of yourself, whether it's fate, luck, the mercy of other people, conspiracies. Four main dimensions to this victimhood mindset, this TIV, Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood. Four main dimensions. Constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood. This is what I mean. When I, start, when I start describing these characteristics, right, there is so much overlap in today's politics. And by the way, I do see some of this on the right as well. This doesn't, this doesn't strictly afflict people of the left politically. This afflicts people of all political stripes because we're all people. This is a psychological mindset. And by the way, once adopted, it is very, very difficult to break out of. 
constantly seeking recognition for one's victimhood. I hear, when I hear people say, I just need to feel like I'm being heard, this is what I think of. That's what I think of. What other components? Four main dimensions. So that's one dimension. And by the way, just having one dimension of this doesn't mean that you have the TIV, right? But the more you engage in this stuff and the more you see things through these dimensions, then the more it consumes you. So um, one of them is uh, rumination. Right, that's the, it's the company that sells rooms, rumination. I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> no, when you, when you ruminate about past victimization, where you, you, you keep thinking about past grievances that others have uh, or that you have against other people for their transgressions against you, right? This, by the way, uh, this is part of um, a lot of the psychology around School shooters, this rumination component, grievance collecting, every past slight by somebody gets, gets them on your enemies list, you know? What other, uh, another dimension, moral elitism. Mm-hmm, <laughs> kind of speaks for itself. Moral elitism, this is virtue signaling. This is, I'm better than you. Because I have the right opinions. I am more moral, even as I advocate the lopping off of genitalia of children. Right? Like that kind of idea that, that you can't even that you can't even perceive that somebody is more moral than you are. Moral elitism. And finally, lack of empathy for the pain and suffering of others. A lot of times I see this manifested in uh whataboutism, where oh, this terrible thing happened to somebody and then there's, oh, what about this that happened to me, right? It's, it's like a refocusing back onto the self. And so those are the four dimensions of this victimhood mindset, this TIV. They did, uh, they did a lot of studies on this. They defined it as an uh, enduring feeling that the self is a victim across different kinds of interpersonal relationships and in a comprehensive set of eight different studies, they developed a measure for this personality trait. And those were the four dimensions. Rumination, lack of empathy, moral elitism, and uh, the need for recognition. Oh, and yes, by the way, this is interpersonal, but if you zoom out, it absolutely does apply at a societal level. And the worst part is, is that once you start thinking like this, you see everything through this prism and you can't break out of it. And so it is best. Remember Dan, the late Dan Starks? He used to, be, he used to do the, uh, the safety trainings. I took my concealed carry class from him. And he would do these segments on uh, the local TV affiliate called Don't Be a Victim. This is one of the things. Being a victim and getting past that trauma means not viewing yourself as the victim. That is such a core part of, of healing, of therapy, is recognizing that this bad thing happened to you, but it does not define you. Why is that important? Because if it defines you, then that is how you will view yourself forever. Now, layer in a political ideology that takes advantage of that mindset, I'd say that's where we are. Let's talk with Tony. Welcome to the program. How are you, Tony? I'm good. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I am doing all right. What's going on? 
Yeah, I was just listening to um, your, your your comments a couple seconds ago, and um, I, you said it was a um, the V. I forget the little acronym you used for the VIT or victim. I guess it's a victimhood type of thing. Yeah, TIV, the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. TIV. TIV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what what's the causation of, of TIV? What causes that? Because I'm thinking you said that that's like when people feel like they're they're, they're being victimized or they're they're, they're um, or or yeah they feeling like they're victimized. Is that is that do I got that correct? Right. So it, there are a couple ways. So like if they're uh, this uh, so this so is pre- do you want the answer to hang on? Do you want the answer to that question? Oh, I didn't think you heard that question. I'm sorry. I did. No, I did. So there are a couple things. Like if you're talking about like someone, for example, who is a victim of physical violence, like. Uh, you know, a rape victim, an assault victim, right? In that case, then you've got like physical violence. They are victimized by the physical violence. Uh, so there's that component. There's that trauma. Then there is another way, though, to adopt this mindset, which is essentially to keep telling yourself that you are a victim. The same dynamic is at play. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I got the causation for the rape uh, or, or, or violent attack. Okay. Uh, I, I got that causation for. For that, but but the, the the second one, could you be a little more clear on that one now? What, if you are, if you are, if you're constantly, I mean, do you just think that up? Is that is that something that you just kind of think up? Do well, that? you can, sure, yeah. You people like, for example, <laughs> oh, do I need to hit the? Do I need to hit that? No, that, that wasn't a joke. No, people people convince themselves that they're victims all the time. Okay, well that that that's a, that 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 seems like a uh, um, more of a mental kind of uh, a little more serious issue. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that you're talking about people that's just walking around and moping and saying, "Hey, man, you know, I can't make it, so I'm a victim." And I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about in that concept. Yeah. But so uh, is that the concept that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There are people that walk around think that like that they are the victim of everything else in the world. I mentioned a couple different examples of it. People who are conspiracy theorists kind of think like that, too. Sometimes there are all sorts of people that think they're the victim constantly. They're grievance collectors. The school shooters are grievance collectors like that. They think that everybody's out to get them, that all the problems that they have are based on actions of some other people, the they that's out to get them. Sure. Okay, okay, right, right. Well, I, well okay, well, I tell you what. I, okay, so, so, so now that, that's been clarified. Now, uh, but, but um, so the causation... Uh, I don't believe that you just make up in your mind that you're a victim unless you got something that's seriously going 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 on with you. But there are uh, situations in America where America has created victims, and those and those victims are true and real. Mm-hmm. And, and until and until those victims are made right, then they will always be victims. Right. That's another good example of the victim yeah. mindset you've just expressed. Absolutely, that's a good example of it. Okay. Yeah. So, like, people who get stuck in that same sort of thinking, constantly believing that 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 there's no that they're constantly being victimized over and over and over again, right? But there's a, but there's a causation for that, though. That's why I asked you what what the causation was for someone feeling like they are a victim or 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 uh, thinking that they have been victimized. There's got to be a causation. So, so is it your position? Is it your position that there's like ancestral trauma that is uh, embedded in your DNA that? That, that you still feel today? Well, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not a scientist either, so uh, I can't... I'm asking uh, for your authentic truth. About, no, I'm saying you said the DNA thing. I don't know what... I don't know if that's in my DNA or not, uh-huh. but I know that uh, I know that there's probably some, 
uh, uh, some, some certain uh, 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 trauma uh, that uh, that I've experienced just because I like put it like this: if you if you're a pregnant lady and you experience trauma. Uh, then your, your your child is going to experience that trauma as well. You know what I mean? Oh, I saw the documentary Dexter. Huh? I saw that documentary Dexter. Oh, I don't know Dexter. Yeah. Um, yeah so, right, right, so the idea is that uh, that, that somewhere uh, hundreds or thousands of years ago, whatever ancestral trauma was uh, received, that that is now in you, and that explains why you perceive yourself to be the victim? No, I, I never said that I was okay. victim. Well, no, yeah, that's what trauma does. That's the whole point of the TIV is that there's this induced trauma, and there are people that put this in their own minds that they're victims when they're not, but then there were people that did experience trauma, and so that's why they have this experience of victimization. So that's why I'm asking, right, like, there are right. two different kinds, so which one are you saying Which one are you saying is more closely uh, aligned with you? Well, no, I, what I was saying is that I, I, my whole thing was there has to be a causation for that. For people feeling like that or being that way, there's a causation. Now, for 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 a lot of people in America that uh, they consider them uh, that to be Black Americans, slavery uh, and, and the whole experience there after slavery is certainly certainly uh, uh, will fall into the story of being victimized. Your break, Tony. Are you going through a tunnel? Are you driving right now? You're breaking up. Are you there? Yeah, I think we lost him. I think we lost him. Because he usually talks over me. So he would be talking over me right now. <laughs> yeah, I think we lost him. I mean, I'll put you back on hold, Tony, if your cell comes back into service, although we're running out of time. Um, do you remember the movie um, Shawshank Redemption, the documentary, Shawshank Redemption? Remember that? Remember the guard that was on the roof? And he he, he they were up there. They were... They were doing the the tar of, on the roof because Andy Dufresne had gotten the the guards to like get him on the detail, and he asked for some beers up there. Remember that? Do you remember what what the guard story was that almost got Andy thrown off the roof? That his wife had come into some money through an inheritance, and Dufresne went over and said, "Do you trust your wife?" And then he was going to get thrown off the roof because the guard took it the wrong way. And because who wouldn't? And, uh, and he says, no, because I could put you in a tax shelter and I'll protect it and you won't have to pay taxes on it. So, but the way the guard was talking about the inheritance, do you remember that? And he was like, oh, I can't believe it. Now Uncle Sam's going to tax, whatever. He, he, they come into a, a lump sum of money. They get a whole bunch of money. And this chief guard, whatever, like his reaction is, woe is me, I'm the victim. Life is terrible because we got an inheritance and we might have to pay taxes on it, right? Glass half empty kind of outlook. That's what this is about. It's about a mindset. And you can choose to adopt whichever mindset you think will make you happier. Spoiler alert. The pessimistic mindset, not happier. Choose wisely. (laughs) 